Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this opening episode, Pastor Eric preaches from the book of John, chapter 17. In our culture, truth is decaying and can be hard to locate. However, God's word is the absolute truth that we can build our lives upon. We'll learn about being set apart and set free by the truth that we can only find in God. And now, here's Pastor Eric. One verse I want you to see this morning, John 17, 17. So Jesus prays, sanctify them. Set them apart is what it means. Sanctify them in the truth. And then he tells us what the truth is. Thy word is truth. So he says, Father, you sent me into the world, but now he goes, I'm going to send them into the world. And they're going to go preach about me and about the cross and about my resurrection. So he says, so for their sake, I'm setting myself apart. What did he do? It doesn't mean that he made himself holy in the sense of like sinless or pure. It it means that he was setting himself apart of saying, I'm going to be set apart and devoted to the cross. I'm going to be devoted unto death for their sakes, for their sakes, for your sake. Verse 19, for their sake, I consecrate myself so that they may be set apart in truth. I want to talk today about being set apart in truth. May we be set apart in truth, and may we today be set free. Maybe you feel like, to, like today you need to be set free. The truth is this, is as Christians, we are people of the truth. And we're different. Praise God. We're not of this world. So this week, as I began to you know, watch TV, which I'm going to encourage you to do less of, and I need to do less of it too, maybe the news channels. But as, as we look at society, or read the papers, or get on your phone, whatever it is, you know, however you keep up with culture, as I'm kind of doing that, I, I, there are two needs that I, I think I see arising in our nation. There are two needs in the nation, but there are also two needs in Christendom, like in the church, like for believers. And here are our two greatest needs. Teenagers, they're your two greatest needs too, and they're going to be the two greatest needs for the future. So listen to them well, kids. Adults. Here's the first one. Number one is this. Know the truth of God. Know the truth of God. Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth, thy word is truth. Our greatest need today, number one, is to know the truth of God. I want to show you the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is this. There's truth decay all around us. There's no place for truth anymore. There's no room for truth anymore. The truth is decaying away. You don't see the truth in media. You don't see it in the government. You sometimes don't even hear it in the pulpits. There's no place for truth anymore. There's no room for the truth and theology. Remember Pilate? Just a few chapters later, Pilate, when Jesus was with him, he he says, what is truth? Sometimes you kind of feel like, well, what is the truth? I can't find it on Fox. I can't find it on CNN. I don't know what the truth is anymore. Is coronavirus gone or coming or going? Or like, is the truth, like, is homosexuality permissible or not? Or does the Supreme Court decide what truth is? What is truth? Who has truth? Who's proclaiming truth? In our culture, truth is decaying. There's no place for it anymore. There's no room for it. The real truth is pretty hard to come by these days. It can be hard to locate, right? And that's kind of my frustration. It's like, Lord, I want to know the truth, but 
Where is it? What is it? So in society, our teenagers, you kind of talked about it Wednesday night, there are all these horrible isms that are, that are playing out. And here, here are some of these isms that infect us. We, we don't even know it. It just, it just kind of happens to us because we, are, we do live in this world. And we are creatures of culture. But here's what's happening. Postmodernism, secularism, just the world becoming more and more secular and worldly and secularism, and that, that philosophy and mindset. Subjective uh, relativism. Subjective relativism is kind of like this. Well, it's subjective to how I feel. And so if I think it's okay or I think it's wrong or it, it, it makes me angry, then that's, it's all relative to me. My truth is my truth. And you can have your truth and I can have But it's subje- that's a bunch of lies. Well, what's right for him is right for them, and what's right for me is right for me. And if, if that offends you, then that's your subjective truth. But like, So subjective relativism is all in our society and culture. Moral relativism, well, that's right for you, but it's not right for me. So where's truth anymore in, in society, in our culture? It's led everyone to do this. Everyone's creating their own truth. Everyone's presenting their own truth. Well, this is, how I, this is what I believe, and what I, my slogan, and my banner, and my... Right? So this is, I'm going to create my own truth, I'm going to present my own truth, and then I'm going to defend my own truth. And if your truth offends me, then, you know, then you don't have the truth. I have the truth because it's got to be, I feel like it's true. So it's got, right? It's just, that's a bunch of yuck in our society. <laughs> you like that? A bunch of yuck. So the problem is this. No one wants to present the real truth anymore. The real absolute truth. There is absolute truth. Apart from us, it exists outside of us, it is real, it is absolute, it is, it is truth, but no one wants to present it. Everybody wants to present their own subjective ideas, the way they feel and whatever they've come to, and their own opinions or their own agendas, and the media does it too. They don't want to portray the truth, we have to portray our own opinion and our own agenda, and it's subjective, so we look at whatever's coronavirus, and then, we, and then we give it to you in the filter of how it affects our opinions and our agenda. I just want to know the truth. Like, I don't really care how it plays into your politics and what your other agendas are and what you feel. and what, Like, I just want to know, like, what, what's the truth about this? Or it's like, you know, with, with riots and protests or homosexuality and all these things that are taking place in our times that make us go, wow, you know, and it's like, I really don't care about your angle I just want to know the the truth. There is real absolute truth. We'll talk about that. So the question is kind of like this. Maybe you felt it lately. Where's the truth and who has it? They they tell us that we live in the information age. Teenagers, you live in the information age. Once upon a time, there were... Was no internet. There was no Wikipedia, Google. You couldn't just have like information. I love it. It's a, there's a lot of good things to living in this age. You know, we can learn a lot. We, uh, you know, we can we can do a lot of things. But information is just readily available. It's accessible in our fingertips. And I began to think about this though. If if we are living in the information age and more information exists, then more information means this. Warning, warning. More information means there's more room for error. It's more room for lies. It's more room for somebody's, you know, false statement. Truth is out there. So this is the reality. The reality is, is there, there is truth. This is the truth. The Bible says this God is truth. It's an attribute. It's a characteristic of God. God is truth. There is absolute truth. And God's truth is perfect, absolute. It exists apart from us. We don't get to say, well, I don't feel like I, get to, I don't get to pick. There is a holy standard. And Jesus says, 
Father, my prayer for them is that you would sanctify them, set them apart in the truth. Your word is truth. As Christians, we're to know the truth and to stand for it. The great thing is this, God's truth doesn't change. It doesn't change through the centuries. It doesn't change as culture decides, well, maybe, uh, you know, homosexuality is okay. and Maybe, you know, we can change God's standards. And Right? I mean, we all compromise. But you can't compromise truth. It doesn't change. God is truth. He is all-knowing. He has an ultimate standard. So what's, our, what's the response? What should be our response in the days ahead? We have to defend the truth. We have to stand for the truth. We have to know the truth. And part of Jesus' prayer is sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That's how they're going to be separate. That's how they're going to be different. They're going to know the truth. Stand for the truth. Stand for God's truth. Guard the truth. It's the only way to experience clarity. These are unclear times. A lot of people are walking around and, and there is no clarity anymore. It's easy to lack clarity when you don't know the truth. The truth brings clarity. The truth gives us purpose and direction. It tells us our identity. It tells us our destiny. It tells us right and wrong. We don't get to decide what's right and what's wrong. It tells us. Right? I'm going to pick on like one sin. I mean, it's any sin, right? God's truth is truth. Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Can I tell you what doesn't equal truth? The lesser of two evils does not equal truth. Well, I got this party and this party, and, or this truth and this truth, or this choice and this choice, and because I don't really see truth in either one, but because this is the lesser one, then I'll, I'll get behind and support that. That's dangerous. Lesser of two evils doesn't make it true and it doesn't make it right. Because it's a little closer to the truth. So, no, it's still wrong. Jesus prayed this in John 17. The Word is truth. Jesus said this in John chapter 8. If you abide in my Word, you're truly my disciples. You abide in my truth, you're truly my disciples. That's how it shows us really who, who are the children of God. The people that remain in the truth. When you go far from it, it's like, maybe not. Maybe you, maybe you were just talking no reality. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, my truth, you're truly my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Know the truth today about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. Know the truth about heaven and hell. Know the truth about God. Know the truth about right and wrong. And he says this, and when you know the truth, oh, it sets you free. The lie of the world is this. It's just going to bound you and make you into some you know, Puritan. That's wrong. We probably need to get back to some Puritan ways, to be honest with you. The truth actually sets us free. Gives us purpose. It shows us my dirty, sinful heart and how much of a hypocrite I am. And it also leads me to the gospel. and shows me how I'm loved and how I'm forgiven and how I can be saved. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 16, 13, Jesus says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He's talking about the Holy Spirit, He'll guide you into all the truth. That's what we need today. Teenagers, one of your greatest needs is to know the truth and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be this. You're going to have to have discernment. Here's a problem. The Bible says our minds are all sinful. Not only are our minds are sinful, our hearts are sinful. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can understand it? Titus 1, 15 says not only that, your conscience is defiled. Says the conscience can be seared. It can be defiled, right? Not only that, our will. So we need help in figuring out what truth is because my heart's going to lead me to say sin is okay. It wants to, right? It's what I want. I want to say that's okay because I like it. 
We need the Holy Spirit to show us the way. So he says in John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, He'll guide you into all the truth. He won't speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He'll speak and He will declare to you things that are to come. So know the truth. Be distinct. Be different. The truth makes us different. It actually makes us set apart. God set apart. His people are to be also. The truth sets us free. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Set them apart. Make them different because of the truth and your truth that's absolute, your word. So they don't get to have to figure it out and they don't even get to be burdened with that. Jesus is praying for our sanctification, our consecration. And it's twofold. Number one is it's, it's God's work. God will set you apart. When He saved you, that's what He first did. The Bible says in Romans, those whom He justifies, He also sanctifies. Part of God saving you was God calling you out of your sins and, and darkness and calling you to be a child of God, to be different. He, God's work is sanctifying you. It's part of the reason that you're here today. He is making you different and, and separate. You are dividing yourself from the world. You are segregating in a, in a way. You are quarantining yourself to the things of God today. And it's God's work in you. What led you to that meeting to be saved anyway? It was God. He was sanctifying you. Right? He, he, he will do this. It's God's work, number one, but it's also our work. Scripture says there is no such theology as just let go and let God, and God just make me holy, pow! Like, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? But this truth of Scripture is this. God sets us apart, but we also have to set ourselves apart. The Bible says, he who is stealing should steal no longer. Right? So it's like, there's certain things that I have to do. I have to just take it on my own and say, I know the truth and now I'm going to choose to put that into practice. It's God's work being making us set apart, but it's also our work of being set apart. And here's the, the greatest truth is this, is that it will be accomplished. God will do it. He will set you apart. If you are His, He will set you apart. He's, he, he can do it through trials. He can do it through hardships. He can do it through the, the Scripture. That's the way He does it. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. But, but Hebrews and other books of the Bible warn us that God may let the believer remain in sin for a season. But if God doesn't see you becoming more sanctified and more holy, there is this dangerous thing of God saying, enough child, come on home. I'll set you apart. <laughs> I'll call you home. I'll discipline you and say, enough, come on home. I'll ultimately sanctify you. If you're not going to live it out and you're not going to do it, and I've given you time to repent as a child of God and to, and to be different. And for your sake and for my glory, come on home. That's a scary thing. I've wondered about that for family members before. God, would you just call them home? Because I know that they know you, but they're not living it. Oh, God will accomplish sanctification in our life one way or the other. The first greatest need is this. Number one is to know the truth of God. To know the truth of God. The second greatest need is this. To be separate as God's people. To be separate. To be set apart. The, the big theological word is sanctification. You get that, son? Be sanctified. Right? He doesn't know what sanctified means. It means set apart. It means different. It carries kind of a negative and a positive. The negative is this, be separated from sin. But the positive is this, be devoted to God. Those holy articles in the temple were sanctified. How? They were separated from common use 
and they were devoted to special use. You could say it negatively and you could say it positively. That's from Martin Lloyd-Jones back in the 50s, right? But that's what sanctification is. And Jesus prays in John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth, thy word is true. We need to be separate as God's people. So here's the problem here. Not only is there, number one, truth decay. Do you know what there is in, in the church today and in our world today? There's distinction decay. There's distinction decay. The sad thing is this. We don't look any different from the world anymore. There's no more. You can't make the distinction. There are people that are Christians. Maybe they're so-called Christians. And maybe it's me because there's a lot of ways I look too much like the world. Right? I mean, maybe it is us that even want to be devoted. But all of a sudden, this distinction between the people of God and the, the things of this world, they all of a sudden grow strangely dim. We all just sort of like to, we all look the same. The need is the, of the hours for us to be separate. That, in the Bible, it's called this holiness. Be holy. That's what it means. That's the same Greek word, hagios. It means holy. It means sanctified. It means set apart. It means consecrated. And Jesus says, sanctify them. Set them apart. How? He says, by the truth, through the truth. That's the way it takes place. So I want you to take your Bible and flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This is the other passage God laid on my heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we'll look at verses 14 through chapter 7, verse 1. Teenagers, you know the chapters and verses weren't there, right? I mean, Paul and Jesus, they didn't write like chapter 17. Okay, verse 1. Like that was added much, much later. And sometimes the people that added them there... Sometimes they get it kind of right, and then other times they get it kind of wrong. And right here into 6 and 7, I think they kind of got it wrong. And most scholars would say the same today. Uh, really, uh, chapter 7, verse 2, that should be the start of a new chapter. It should be like 7, 1. So there's a really unfortunate, awful chapter break that's right there. It's, it's you know, that's, it's just, it is what it is. It's, it's man's, uh, you know, kind of decisions there. That's not inspired. The truth is inspired. And listen to what God's Word tells us. I think it's the greatest need of the hour, the second one. Chapter 6, verse 14. You've, you've probably heard this preached uh, about like dating and marriage, and it applies to that, but that's not the point. It, it was not the point. It applies to a lot of areas. Chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Like a yoke was the thing that, that, that kind of paired up the animals. Don't be unequally yoked. The Scripture forbid certain animals to be yoked with other animals. Like, I don't think you could do an ox and a donkey together. That was an unequal yoke. It wasn't fair to the animals, right? You wouldn't put like, a, you know, like an ox with a beagle. That'd be a kind of a unfortunate for the beagle or probably unfortunate for the ox too. But it's like, that would be an unequal yoke, okay? So Paul's going to start to apply this to us in the world and other things. He says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Wow. What partnership does righteousness have with lawlessness? And the, the implied answer is it doesn't. Nothing. There's nothing in common with that. What fellowship has light with darkness? It's like an implied nothing. What accord has Christ with Belial? It's kind of a reference to Satan. Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? And he's, the point is this, nothing. Those things are, are different. They're separated. And, and so they're supposed to be separated. So look at what he says. For we, and it's a plural you in the Greek. It, it, it's, it's we. It's not me by myself. I'm the temple of the living God. It's us as the church. It's us as the community of Christians, believers, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We are the temple of the living God. 
As God said, and then he preaches his sermon from Leviticus and Isaiah, and he quotes the Old Testament. That's why it's set apart in little like poetry form. God said, I'll make my dwelling among them. I'll walk among them. I'll be their God. And they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them. Oh, I want you to heed verse 17 today. And I need to too. And it's going to be really hard. I don't quite know how it looks in our lives. But we need to be separate as God's people. So he preaching and he's preaching the New Testament and the Old Testament at the same time and he says therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them says the Lord and touch no unclean thing and I'll welcome you and I'll be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me says the Lord Almighty I'm a child of God chapter 7 verse 1 since we have these promises because we have these promises beloved let us cleanse ourselves now here's our part let us cleanse ourselves and set ourselves apart, sanctify ourselves, what the word means, from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. What's to be our response to this problem of distinction decay? Now more than ever, we've got to be distinct from the world. He says, therefore, come out of them and be separate. Be set apart. Be separate. We're part of the kingdom of God. We should be different. We should live different. We should think different. We should disagree when we see evil and, and error in society. And we're to separate ourselves. Therefore, come out of them, he says, and be separate. So the greatest need today is for us to separate ourselves from error and lies. And there's a lot out there. There are a lot of agendas out there that are not truthful. We're to separate from error and lies, including half-truths. Sometimes we're presented with half-truths. That's, that's deceiving. Because, well, it's halfway true, so I'm going to choose between the lesser of two evils because they're halfway true. Wrong. It's still an error. Or it's the truth mixed with lies. That's wrong too. Separate yourselves from errors and lies, including half-truths, including truth mixed with lies. That's why you would promise to tell the whole truth, nothing but, uh, no, let me see, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. The truth as opposed to errors, um, nothing but the truth is, uh, or hang on, the truth, the whole truth. The whole truth as opposed to half-truth. Whole truth is opposed to half And then nothing but the truth is opposed to truth plus, plus lies mixed. But the, the, the point is this, is that we're going to have to start making that separation from those things. S being separate. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And we're to separate ourselves from sin wherever we see it. In our lives or, or in society. Therefore, come out of them and be separate. God's Word says it this way in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, and I'm going to appeal to God today for us. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, set apart, and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed like Plato. It's what it means, like molded. That's what the world wants to do to us. And he says, so don't be. Don't be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed, metamorphosized right from the inside out. Be transformed by how? By renewal of your mind, by knowing the truth. That by... Testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The two great needs is know the truth of God and be separate as the people of God. James says it this way in James 4.4. 4. He uses strong language. 
you adulterous people, you unfaithful spouses. And what he's drawing there is the, the image even of Hosea. It's of us and God. It's like we've cheated on God with the world. We're the unfaithful spouse. We're the adulterous people because we weren't faithful to God. We weren't separated. All of a sudden, instead of yoking ourselves with God, we yoked ourselves with all sorts of sin in the world. And I do it too and you do it too, right? So James is right when he says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? It's hatred with God? That's strong words. Like, what if we really just believed the Bible as it was written? Wow. Friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So all through Scripture, you could preach it from any book of the Bible. Being separate, being set apart, being devoted to God. Number one, know the truth of God. And number two, be separate as God's people. I chose to kind of display a couple of flags this morning. Uh, I did so in the parking lot, driving church, kind of opened and talked about those in a little bit different ways. But I want to tell you what these are about. Uh, this flag dates back to the before uh, the country was, was founded. It's before the Declaration of Independence. It's a, like a revolutionary era flag. George Washington, I believe, uh, came up with it and others. It, it flew on his ships. Um, and it, it's called the Appeal to Heaven flag. And it's written from some of the, the modern writing of that time where a guy was kind of making a point. When you can't appeal to anything or any man or any government or anything on this earth anymore, what do you do? Well, you appeal to heaven. That's, that's the, the appeal that we make. We, when we can't appeal to anything else, we appeal to heaven. And I think that's in some ways sort of what it means to know the truth and to be separate as God's people. It's as if we're making this appeal to heaven. God, I don't know who has the truth anymore. Oh yes, I do. You do. And so when I can't look to this source and this source and this place and this worldly position or this worldly person, then what do I do? I look to you for truth and I just appeal to heaven. I pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Like, like Lord, I, I, I'm going to stand with your truth. I don't know which side to stand on anymore. And the, 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 the false view is you've got to pick this or this. You've got to pick this or this. And really the third way is like, no, you can pick the, the way of God, the third way. You can, pick, you can pick the way of Christ, Jesus. You can say, no, that's wrong on this end and that's wrong on that end. And there's some truth and lies on this end. There's some truth and lies on this end. But, the, but this is what God's Word says. And so, you know, in days to come, this is what we're going to have to do is appeal to heaven. Hey, you can learn more about that. Go to YouTube and, uh, and type in appeal to heaven and type in David Franklin. Do you know David Franklin, the Bartow Baptist Missionary Association guy? If you, if, you pull, if you type in those words, it'll pull up a video. He'll talk about the history of the flag and, and, and a little bit behind it. That, that's, that's where our guidance comes from. From, from God, who is truth. I chose to bring the Christian flag over and kind of display it this morning. Because sadly, I, I think we're, there's going to come a day, whoa, when I dump it over. No, they'll, 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 you know, really, seriously, there'll come a day when, when it'd probably be illegal to fly this. Like if my kids keep growing, you probably, you probably will, will reach a day where you can't do this anymore and people will pull it down. Because somebody's going to say, well, my subjective truth tells me that that offends me. 
My flag is rainbow or some kind of life or some kind of political party. There are a lot of flags and banners being flown today under their banner of truth and whatever party and right and like the news media, they fly their banners too. As people of God, this is what we stand for. Jesus Christ, His blood, His righteousness, the truth of God. The other flags may have some truthful moments, but, but like, like this is it. But sadly, there'll come a day when, when this will be called bigoted, this will be called um, you know improper, and, and people will pull it down. Maybe we won't be here, I don't know. There'll be a day when, I mean, it already offends a lot. It'll, it'll be a day when, no, my, my truth tells me that's closed-minded. We've, we've advanced beyond that. We know truth now. We've got it in this, Right? No, as a people of God, we know the truth and we're separated. We, we give allegiance to a different king. When we can't appeal to any party, we appeal to heaven. When we don't know who to trust, we, we trust Christ. We trust the Word, right? We stand for Him. There probably is something to getting back to the Puritan's life, you know, of, of being separate and trying to be pure or holy and trying to... They wrote some good stuff. They said some good things. Right now, all on the news there are these words, divided. Everybody's divided over coronavirus and cops and lies and statues and monuments. and Like, like that offends me, so pull. Like, I can fly, I can't do this. Or everybody's like, subject, is it a noose or is it not? Or would it, you know, every, like, I, we're divided as a people, as a nation, as a country. But really, God said, no, it's... Christians, you're, you're kind of going to be divided. You're not going to be yoked to the things of this world. You're not going to be yoked and partnered with sin. Therefore, come out of them and be separate, he says. Come out of them and be separate. You know, we, we hear the words like, like segregated. or Well, it really is people of God. We're to be segregated from the world. We, we are to be... And I know those are loaded words, but I'm, I'm, I'm using it in a, in a way to make the point of like, like as, as God's people, we are to be different and righteous and holy and pure. The, the word of the day is quarantine. We are to be quarantined in, in some way. We are to, to be masks on against the world and say, no, no, like, like I am to be separate from the world and, and different from the world. As the people of God, we have the truth. We know the King. We are living for the kingdom. So know the truth of God. Come out of them and be separate. In 1952, in 1952, uh, Martin Lloyd Jones was preaching in London, so he's not—he's not even in America. But uh, I want to read a little section where he's preaching about the special people of God. He's preaching about this verse: "Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth." And he talks about our main concern. What should be our main concern? And then he gives an illustration that when I read it, I went, wow, that sounded like today with the virus. So he's going to use the word, he was a medical doctor before he was a preacher. Um, he's going to use the word infectious or infection, but just let, for us, just let me, let me um, uh, use the word virus instead because that's like what we're thinking and it will apply pretty good. I thought it was worth reading, so I didn't read it for them, but I'll read it for you since we're in here and we got a, a time to do it. This old preacher, he's dead now, says this. Uh, do not misunderstand me. I started by saying that it is the business of the state to change the conditions. I'm now talking of the function of the church. 
And I would finally put it this way. So he's, now he's talking about the church. Government has a part, right? That we, we, as Christians, we should have our part. That the state is a gift from God. And we should support and stand. We have to stand for truth. But he's speaking spiritually. He's speaking of the church and because the church is different. We're not secular. We're sacred. And so he says this. Um, I'm talking of the function of the church. And I would finally put it this way. Our main concern should be not so much to limit the power of evil as to increase the power of godliness within us. Let me give an illustration at this point. The gospel is not primarily concerned to remove the source of the virus or to put us out of the danger of virus. What the gospel does is to build up our resistance to the virus to such a point that it renders us immune to it. The church is not concerned with trying to destroy the virus. He's talking about the virus of sin, but it, it, it's a pretty good illustration. Until our Lord returns again, the virus will be there. Until Satan is cast into the lake burning with fire, the virus will continue. You cannot stop it. It will be there in spite of all your councils and committees. The Christian is not primarily concerned about that. The business of the Christian and the church and the gospel is to see that you and I take so much of the pure milk of the Word and the strong meat of the Word that our resistance is built up to such an extent that we can, as it were, stay in a house of the virus and be absolutely immune. The germs are there, yes, but we are filled with these antibodies that destroy them the moment they attack us. Sanctify them. That is sanctification. And its whole approach is not negative, but entirely positive. Sanctification means that we become like our Lord Jesus Christ. He was so immune that he could sit with publicans and sinners and not be contaminated by them. People couldn't understand it. The Pharisees could not understand it. This man is a friend of publicans and sinners, they said. But because of his resistance, our Lord could sit there without danger at all. And what our Lord prays is that we may be made like Him. He says, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Sanctify them. Make them like me. Render them so immune from the assaults of temptation that whenever an attack comes, they will always be guarded against it. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. And that is the ultimate way in which we are kept. We are to be sanctified and holy. We are to become like Him, like Christ, charged with His power and filled with His holiness and righteousness, knowing God and walking with Him in the light. And as long as we do that, the world will hold no dangers for us. Though in it, we shall not be of it. We shall be walking through it in the light with God. He says a lot. But he says what the Word does is it, it doesn't destroy the virus of sin and error and lies or relativism. Or any, what, what the Gospel does is it builds up in us antibodies. Where, yeah, we're still around it, but we're, we're just not influenced by it anymore because the Gospel's changed our lives. It caused us now to, to be different. We're not, we're not affected the same by that. He said, that's in a way what Christ is praying. Lord, sanctify them by the truth. Thy word is true. So young people, kids to teens to adults, senior adults, know the truth and be separate as God's people. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.